Good morning, Cypress Bible. Welcome to worship today. Would you stand together with us? You get your hands together as we worship the Lord. We welcome those online as well. Let's sing this out. Come, let us worship our King. Come, let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquer the grave. You free every captive and break every chain, oh God. You have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken alive. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God. You have done great things. Through every storm, you'll be faithful forevermore. You have done great things, and I know, and I know you will do it again. For your promises, yes and amen, you will do great things. God, you do great You conquer the grave, you free every captive and break every chain, oh God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken alive, oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God, you have done great things. And break every chain, oh God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken alive. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God, you have done great things. You have done great things. Oh God, you do great. Great 
Amen. You can be seated as we continue in worship. Good morning. I'd like to welcome you to worship today at Cypress Bible Church. We are a church that gathers in life-changing worship. We grow in life-changing truth, and we also um, go in life-changing mission. And today we're going to be commissioning uh, several folks to go to the DR today. And so we're very excited about that. I hope that you are feeling full after Thanksgiving, and it was a great time of celebration in my family, and I hope it was for you as well as we celebrated the 400th Thanksgiving of this country. Um, so a few announcements for you uh, today. Uh, we got a few things going on this week for the men and the women of our church. On Thursday, we have the Marine Flowers Dinner here at the church at 6.30. Please go online or call the church to make an RSVP for that. Also on Wednesday of this week, on December 1st, the men will be gathering uh, for the fourth quarter group. Uh, we'll be gathering at Spring Creek Barbecue for a luncheon at 11 o'clock on 249, and you're invited to that. Uh, the other thing that uh, I'd like to remind you as we enter into the Christmas season is uh, the church does something called Christmas Blessing. And Christmas Blessing is where we bless about 30 families every year. And if you'd like to participate in that, we would ask that you would uh, make a, a gift to the church, to the Benevolence Fund or the Christmas Blessings Fund. And you can do that by going online or just marking it on your memo line of your, of your check. Now, today is the first Sunday in the Advent season. And the four Sundays of Advent is hope, love, joy, and peace. And today, Emigail um, New, um, Newton's up here to uh, light the hope candle for us and, and read the scriptures to us. So, Emigail. For our first week of Advent, our theme is hope. For the Bible says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, because the Lord's love never fails. He sets his people completely free. He himself will set Israel free from all their sins. A child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. He will rule over us, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. wonderful blessing of hope. I thank you that we, um, that we, that you know all the plans you have for us, plans to give us hope for the future. And I pray that all of you all here will um, see that hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, Miguel, for leading us in that special time as we enter into a new season I think we can almost say Merry Christmas, right? Merry Christmas. It's okay. We can do that. Uh, we're so glad that you're here and worshiping today. One of the great things about being together is that we just get to see each other. So before we go a step further, would you mind just standing together? Why don't you greet those around you and welcome them to worship?
continue to sing our praise to the Lord. Lift us up with Bonnie as she leads us.
Yeah. 
our hearts. Remind us of the hope that we have in Jesus, a living hope that will never fail, that will always be. And God, you are so worthy of your worship. We love you. It's in the powerful, the strong, and the redeeming name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Well, that was encouraging to be able to sing about our hope in Christ. And I'm pretty confident, I don't know a lot of things, but I'm pretty confident that uh, 
you didn't come in here today hoping this worship service would discourage you. That no one came in thinking, oh, I'd really love to be demotivated today. I'm just too upbeat and cheerful. I hope we do something discouraging to make me miserable. I think the opposite is true for all of us, that you need to be encouraged and motivated and blessed. You need to be renewed. That's the normal pattern of life, renewal. Uh, Most of us slept last night. Uh, Most of us are going to need to sleep again, however. I don't, I don't I don't sleep I, may, I get maybe 30 hours of sleep a week and uh, some of you might have that trouble too but as little as that is I still need to sleep otherwise you get cranky and your brain doesn't function and your pain increases we need the daily renewal of rest most of us had a kind of a big meal this week on Thursday and maybe Maybe at the end of that, you felt like, I am not going to eat again. But probably most of us ate the next day. Some of us ate that night again. And that, that's, we, we need that, that fuel in our bodies. We can stand to miss a meal or two, or I could miss a week or two, but it's, you need that daily renewal of food to be healthy. Most of us have recently showered, deodorized, and brushed our teeth. And if you skip those things for a few days, folks will probably notice. And if you stop washing your body and cleaning your teeth for a few months, you might lose your job, might lose your friend. Your dog will still love you. But other than that, we need the daily renewal of hygiene. There are all kinds of ways in which we need to be renewed each and every day, whether it's in our relationships with love. But it's also true in your spiritual life, that there's a a daily renewal that's needed in your spiritual life to be healthy, to be strong. So we start a series this morning called Becoming, Becoming. And, And each Of these next three weeks, we're going to look at a classic passage of Scripture about what we are becoming if we are in Christ. And this morning, it's about becoming renewed, that renewal that we need as we talk about the process of godliness. You see, at Cypress Bible Church, our focus is described this way, becoming, beginning where you are, becoming more like Jesus. Beginning where you are, becoming more like Jesus. And that fits every person in this room today, whether you are even a believer yet or not. Wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, God is at work to bring you closer to his son, Jesus. And that journey lasts for as long as you live. It's not over in a specific period of time. For those of you who have staked your life on the truth of the good news, you're in that journey right now. You've known, if you've staked your life on the gospel, the good news, you know that you're guilty before God and you deserve nothing but judgment for your sin. But you've accepted that the perfect Jesus took your sin upon himself, died in your place, and was raised to life, guaranteeing your new life. And now, Scripture says, Christ lives in you, the hope of glory. That's salvation. You become God's adopted child by grace through faith. 
And when you become part of God's family, kept by him, your status is kept forever by his power, his promise. That reality, nothing can change that, nothing. But for you and your spiritual life to be healthy, to be strong, there must be a continued renewing. Just as we need the renewal of rest and food and hygiene and love, we also need renewal for our spiritual lives. So even after you believe and belong, you you need that renewal. And that's the, the thing I want you to grapple with this morning from Scripture with me. This daily renewal to survive the the problems and pain, the exhaustion, the demands of life, which we all face. So I want to take you to some words written by the Apostle Paul to the church in the city of Corinth. This uh, letter, the first one we studied through last year, earlier this year, this uh, passage is from his second letter to the Corinthians that we have in our New Testament. And the the words are this, 2 Corinthians 4.16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So as we study this passage of Scripture, I want to answer two questions, two very basic questions. Why do we need to be inwardly renewed? Why do you need to be inwardly renewed? Question one. Question two, how? How can I be inwardly renewed? This passage answers those questions. Well, to deal with that first one, why do you need to be inwardly renewed? The answer is simple right there in that verse. If you are not renewed day by day, you will lose heart. You'll lose heart. You won't lose your salvation. You won't lose lots, but you'll lose heart. And, And on this first Sunday of Advent, when our focus is hope, really that's what that's about. You kind of lose hope. So, that, that phrase Paul uses, lose heart, it means to be exhausted. It means to be spiritless, to be discouraged. So to lose heart means you want to give up, you want to give in, you, you want to quit. You feel overwhelmed, overmatched, overloaded. But Paul says, I'm not quitting. I'm not done in. I'm not hopelessly dejected. And the reason is because I'm being inwardly renewed. Now, Paul has all kinds of reasons and opportunity to be exhausted and not want to go on in his life. He had far more reasons than I would ever have. Outwardly, the list of problems and trials Paul faced is devastating. He had friends who betrayed him, who abandoned him. People who distorted his message, a message he gave his life to, and they distorted it, they twisted it. He was poor. He was imprisoned. He was flogged. He had stones thrown at him and left for dead. He was deprived of sleep, food, deprived, water, deprived. For days, he endured cold, and he had been stripped of his clothing. He was constantly being chased and threatened and hunted by the government and by angry mobs and by jealous religious leaders and by a band of assassins. He received 39 lashes 
five different times. He was beaten with rods three different times. He was shipwrecked three times. Hanging around with Paul would increase your insurance premium for sure. And those are just the highlights of some of the troubles and sufferings that Paul experienced. Yet, he did not lose heart. I have little idea of what's going on in most of your lives today. But I know that there must be some of you, or maybe many of you, who have lost heart. You might not be shipwrecked or beaten with rods, but there are other things that are weighing you down right now. You can feel them. They feel crushing. They feel anxiety-producing. Maybe there are financial pressures that seem to be strangling you. Maybe there's conflict in your relationship with your parents or your spouse or your best friend. Maybe there's worry, stress, fear, depression, and it kind of paralyzes you. Maybe there's abuse or addiction or rejection or sinful behavior that has you feeling worthless and joyless and powerless, maybe hopeless. that, That may be the reason why you even are here this morning, even though you didn't feel like it because your heart's been knocked out of you, and it needs to be renewed. See, and you lose heart when you grow weary in your struggle against sin. And and you get tired of battling that habit that you're trying to break. You give in to temptation, or you indulge in pornography, or, or in overspending, or in gossip, or in criticism, or in greed, and you lose heart. And it's for reasons like this that that you and I need to be renewed inwardly day after day after day. Unless you are, you'll fall deeper into sin, or you'll fall deeper into discouragement, or you'll fall deeper into self-pity. And even today, if you feel strong and victorious, the reality is that you are one day closer to the end of your life. Isn't that encouraging? This scripture confronts us with that grim reality that outwardly we're wasting away. I thought I was done with that with Ecclesiastes, but apparently not. Because that's a reality. Uh, Please appreciate that Paul does not say Every day and every way, I'm getting better and better. No, he says the opposite. I'm wasting away. The the Greek word he uses here means to corrode. It's a word used of metal rusting and of cloth being eaten by moths and ships breaking apart at sea, which Paul knows very well about. So Paul looked at his physical body. He looked at his his self, his health, his mind, his lifespan. And he said, I'm deteriorating on the outside. I'm falling apart. Age and gravity and pollution and stress all take its toll on us physically. The New York Times did an interview with uh, legendary director Woody Allen a few years ago that I, that I noted with interest. 
they asked him this question. How do you feel about the aging process? And Alan said, well, I'm against it. You fall apart. He said, that's what happens. And I'd trade it all for being 35 again. Because now you wake up in the middle of the night and you start to think about your own mortality and it gives you a little shiver. Now, Woody Allen believes that God is a delusion, that he doesn't exist. But you see, without God, he has no answer for the despair that comes when you realize you're falling apart. And now at age 85, Allen has no hope beyond his inevitable death. We all fall apart. Eventually, you're not as fast or as strong or as pretty or as healthy or as virile as you once were. I was five when I went to my first funeral. It was my grandmother, my dad's mom. I sat with my grandfather, and he put his arm around me, and he pointed to his wife in the casket, and he said, Grandma's not here anymore, Johnny. One of the other few people who can call me that. He said, this is just the outside of her that we saw. But the grandma that we knew and loved is with the Lord right now. That made a tremendous impact on me. And three weeks later, I sat in that same room for his funeral. The body of grandpa was lifeless. Cancer had wasted away the outer shell, but it didn't end his existence because of Jesus. Now, there are all kinds of reasons to lose heart. All the trials, all the troubles of life can exhaust you, deplete you. And the very fact that your physical self is wasting away can discourage you. And it's discouraging because it's so visible, it's so measurable to see that outer part waste away. There will come a time when you can't run as fast, jump as high, lift as much, work as hard, or look as good. And because that outward decay is visible, measurable, and real, we must be inwardly renewed every day. You're going to lose heart otherwise. That's why. So let's go now to the second question, which is, well, how then do I become inwardly renewed day after day? Um, There are several ways that Paul mentions here in this passage. I'm going to just give you two. Two two ways in which to be inwardly renewed. Because as one, if you are one who trusts in Christ, you have hope. No one on the planet can avoid the reality that we're wasting away, but only those who belong to Christ have the ability to experience inward renewal. How? How? Well, the first answer to how is by dying and living with Jesus every day. That's verse 10. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Now that might sound a bit gruesome to those who don't know the gospel. But this is a call not to become disconnected with the death of Jesus. Paul uses the Greek word necrosis here, which refers to the process of dying. And he reminds us that we should always be turning our attention to the cross of Christ because that's where true life begins. And you don't outgrow the truth of the cross. It's a daily necessity that I view all of life through the perspective of Christ's death and resurrection. 
And so today, I need to die with Christ and be alive in Christ today. And the more I try to conquer my own problems, the more I'm going to lose heart. My self-sufficiency, my pride are going to end up discouraging me. Salvation only comes to those who recognize that we can't save ourselves. And we can't live the Christian life ourselves either. The power of the gospel is summed up in Galatians 2.20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's how you're daily renewed by understanding, receiving that truth. Craig Barnes told this uh, story of when he was doing premarital counseling with with a young couple. And uh, at at the end of their last meeting, the groom-to-be sort of blurted out to his fiancée, I'm so afraid of losing you. When my mother died, the grief was so overwhelming, and I love you even more than I loved her. I just don't know how I could ever survive if something happened to you. Now, Craig could tell that this man was wanting to be reassured reassured that, well, you're both young and healthy. You're going to have a long life together. Don't worry about that. But instead, here's what Craig said. I'm going to read it to you. In my experience, 100% of all marriages come to an end. Some tragically through divorce or early death. Others last for over 60 years. And if your marriage is long and filled with intimacy, then when death comes, you're going to be even more in love than you are now. Then it will hurt even more to say goodbye when the time finally comes. And that's the best scenario you've got. So why do you want to go through marriage wondering if this is the day you'll lose your beloved? Give her up today. Get the grieving over with. Die to your right to have her. Die to your fear of losing her. Die to the myth that you can keep her. Until you do, you'll be too afraid to enjoy her. That's pretty good marital, premarital counseling, I think. Not encouraging. To know that the best scenario you got is that one day one of you is going to bury the other. But that's how we have to approach all of life. It's only in dying that we can finally live. And for me to be inwardly renewed, I've got to get up every morning with the realization that John is dead, but Christ lives in me. I die to my plans and desires so that I can live out God's will for me. Die to my idols of success and family and comfort and selfish ambition. Uh, those are the things. I have to do that every day so that Christ lives in me. So while I'm wasting away on the outside, there's no need to panic. There's no need for Botox because I'm being renewed on the inside. The more you revel in the death and resurrection of Jesus, the more you'll be inwardly renewed. That's the first. What's the second? How can you be inwardly renewed? By focusing on eternal glory over temporary troubles. Verse 17 and 18. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary And what is unseen is eternal. You notice how Paul refers to our troubles as light. And by that, he's not saying that they're painless and easy to handle. Remember, here's a guy who suffered more trauma than all of us have done combined, probably. Paul's not minimizing our problems. He's magnifying the glory. When he says it far outweighs 
It's a very good translation of the Greek phrase that Paul uses, uh, hyperbolane, ace hyperbolane. We get our word hyperbole from that. So it, it, and it means exaggeration. It means overstatement. Paul's saying that the glory to come exceeds all expectation. It, 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 it is an overstatement. No matter how great the number, how great the severity of our troubles, there's nothing that can compare with the glory to come. And, and that's the truth repeated elsewhere. For example, Romans 8.18 says the very same thing. Oh, what's interesting is that Paul says the troubles we experience now help produce glory later. Can you look at your troubles that way? They produce greater glory later. I, I can't understand all of that. It's, it's just scriptural reality. And so it's because of that we need to fix our eyes on the right things. And what are we to focus on? The eternal. The eternal. In order to get past the temporary troubles of today, we have to focus on the greater glory to come that's promised by God in Christ. I once read a fascinating article in the New Yorker about suicide in the Golden Gate Bridge. And, I, and I've quoted from it before, but it's just, it's, it's just astounding. Now it is every other day somebody jumps from that iconic structure. The, the, the rates are increasing. Even though there's preventions that have been put up and the, they've stopped many, many more people from jumping than have jumped, but at least 2,000 people since 1937 have jumped to their deaths. And a few of them have survived. Ken Baldwin was one. 28 years old severely depressed, told his wife, don't expect him home till late. And he said, I want it to disappear. He got on the bridge. He counted to 10 and was frozen in place. He counted to 10 again and then vaulted over. He said, I, I still see my hands coming off the railing. And I instantly realized, realized that everything in my life that I thought was unfixable was totally fixable except for having just jumped. The article also referred to a study that had been done on over 500 people who had been stopped from jumping. It followed them for over 25 years and found that 94% of them did not commit suicide. They'd been stopped, and they 94% did not follow through. In other words, even though the problems had overwhelmed them at one moment, so much that they wanted to take their own life, once they got past that point, they didn't try again. The, their problem was an issue of perspective. And if anyone here is contemplating, even a little bit, taking your own life, then I beg you, I beg you, I beg you not to do it. Having sat with so many families and friends of those who have lost a loved one in that way, it is absolutely, incalculably devastating. The pain that you leave behind is greater than any pain you're trying to escape. Now, Ken Baldwin's realization as he jumped is absolutely true. Everything you think is unfixable is totally fixable. And rather than gaining that perspective after you've jumped off the bridge and it's too late, Paul says, fix your eyes in the right place now. Weigh your pain on the right scale now. See, all your troubles are like a morning mist that will disappear in the dazzling sunlight of the glory to come. That's what Paul's saying. Maybe you feel your job is dead end, and every day is drudgery. It's emotionally draining. 
until God moves you, he has you there for a purpose. If you stay faithful, if you give your best, if you work with your eyes on him, then that mind-numbing daily grind will produce glory for you. Did you ever think of it that way? You might not be getting out of it what you are wanting and hoping, but it produces glory for you through Christ. And you may be so focused on changing jobs or escaping pain from what you're experiencing that, that you miss the chance of being renewed. That actually can be a source of renewal for you. By focusing on what's eternal rather than what's temporary, you're being renewed day after day. Maybe you're a teen and you find that life is a struggle. Because those years can be the most challenging of all that we face. You might be experiencing pain from family relationships because they're falling apart. You might be confused about where you fit in at school or with friends. You you might be bullied or abused or ignored or holding in all these feelings that you don't quite know what to do with. For you to navigate these very difficult years, it's crucial that you focus on what God says is true. Don't let negative comments shape you. Don't be defeated when others mistreat you. Let me tell you that as heavy as your struggles may seem right here and now, they are only temporary. They're far outweighed by eternal glory. Or maybe your marriage is a shipwreck. You're stuck on the rocks. You're trapped in the wreckage of something that once seemed so wonderful. But those problems that seem to divide and devastate you are light and temporary compared to the glory that will be produced if you fix your eyes on Christ. You need to be renewed. And you're thinking right now, my spouse needs to be renewed. No, it's you. It's you. You need to die to self and live to Jesus every day. You need to focus on eternal glory instead of temporary troubles. In his classic book, The Glory of Christ, John Owen writes this, the reason why our spiritual life decays and withers is because we fill our mind full of other things. But when the mind is filled with thoughts of Christ and his glory, these things will be expelled. This made me think of of an incident a guy named Gary told me where he he noticed some weeds growing in his lawn, or as I call it, my lawn. And uh, he went out and bought some weed killer, and he drenched the weeds. The next day, the weeds were doing just great, and the lawn around them was all brown. And so he zapped the weeds some more with poison. And again, only managed to kill more healthy grass. Gary's wife said, You better stop before all we have left is weeds. Call a professional. My wife's always telling me to call a professional. So Gary called, and the professional said, Gary, don't go after the weeds. Grow the healthy grass around them, and the healthy grass will kill the weeds. It will choke them out. And that's the message of this text. That's how to be inwardly renewed every day, to fill your mind with thoughts of Christ and his glory. Because if you're anything like me, I allow so many other things to crowd that out. 
and to survive the troubles and overcome the pain and conquer the sin, fill your mind with the right things. Because one of the techniques we default to when we're under stress is distraction. And we busy our minds, we busy our bodies with entertainment and activity and people and things, and I'm not, there is absolutely a place for that. Absolutely. There's room for us to enjoy some diversion. However, there must be input from God. There must be active, intentional input from God, filling our minds with Christ. Well, how do we do that? Well, we do that by hearing and reading Scripture. We do that with persistent prayer, talking to God, hearing from God. You do that by interacting with other godly people so that together you can keep on the right track. You do that with passionate worship. That's what we're doing today. Together with the people of God, we declare the praise of God. Together we're going to declare again as we bring this service to a close how God is at work in our lives from the inside out. And all those things on the outside that are tearing at us and pushing us down can be displaced with the hope of glory that is ours in Christ Jesus. There has to be a continual reminder of the bloody death of Christ for you. His suffering made possible for you to experience eternal glory. His body torn to pieces so that you could know that this life is not the end. The troubles that you encounter today are not the final word. They're merely a footnote in the grand story of salvation that God is writing. And so you can say with confidence, therefore we do not lose heart. Even though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Thanks be to God. Church family, let's stand together and respond to this message with an act of worship as we sing out our praise to the Lord. A thousand times I fail, still your mercy remains. And should I stumble again, I'm caught in your grace everlasting. Your light will shine when all else fades, never ending. Your glory goes beyond all failure. My heart and my soul, I give you control. Consume me from the inside out, Lord. Let justice and praise become my embrace. To love you from the inside out. Your will above all else, still my purpose remains. Heart of losing myself in bringing you praise everlasting. Your light will shine when all else fades, never ending. Your glory goes beyond all. 
control cuts to me from the inside out, Lord. Let justice and praise become my embrace to love you from the inside out. Everlasting, your light will shine when all else fades. Never ending, your glory goes beyond all faith. And the cry of my heart is to bring you praise from the inside out, Lord, my soul. Consume me from the inside out, Lord. Let justice and praise become my embrace to love you from the inside out. Everlasting, your light will shine with all else face. Never ending, your glory goes beyond. seated as we continue. We have a wonderful opportunity to commission a group that is heading to do the work of the Lord around the world. Good morning, church. If our team would come up. Uh, my name is Tony Svensson. I am the Go Pastor, and part of our mission as a church is to go in life-changing mission. And so we have an opportunity to send a team out. Uh, for those of you who are not aware, the Go uh, strategy is to go local, to go short, to go long. And part of our go short strategy is to partner with long-term workers. And so you might ask, why are we going to the Dominican Republic? So early last year, we, we started uh, talking with Brother Farns here, and we planted, uh, worked at planting a Creole church, a Haitian church, as a part of Cypress Bible Church, as an extension of who we are in our community. And uh, so we started thinking and praying about Haitians. 
And shortly after that, uh, we had Duquesne and Francine uh, approach us, graduates from Dallas Theological Seminary. Uh, and they had a heart and a passion for Haitians because they were Haitian. And so they wanted to go back to Haiti to impact Haiti uh, for the gospel, for Christ. And so God just began to pull all of these things together. And uh, we've got another partner uh, that's in the Dominican Republic, and he's also Haitian. And we recognize that there are half a million Haitians in Dominican Republic. And so we began talking with Farns and, and saying, hey, what kind of partnerships do we have in Dominican Republic? And he knew pastors, and we began to make connections. And we said, hey, let's bring a team to the Dominican Republic and impact Haiti, uh, which we cannot travel to right now because of the, the dangers that are there. Uh, but we can still make an impact for the kingdom uh, in Haiti by going to the Dominican Republic. So we've adopted this as part of our strategy of our short-term missions program. And so I'm excited that this team is going to get to go uh, represent Cypress Bible Church on behalf uh, of our church to make an impact uh, for Haitians and for the Dominican Republic. And so I want to commission this team now. Uh, so if you'll join me in prayer. Father, we give you thanks and we give you praise for all you're doing in the world right now. Uh, we thank you for the strategic opportunity you've given Cypress Bible Church to make an impact in the Dominican Republic and, and for the Haitians that are there and, and for those that are coming from Haiti and for the Haitian pastors and for the leaders that we will be training and equipping uh, for the work of your gospel, for the work of making disciples and planning churches. Lord, our desire is to see that there are none who perish apart from having access to the gospel to discipleship and healthy church. And so, Lord, we send this team on your behalf as representatives of Cypress Bible Church and representatives of your kingdom. We bring the hope of Jesus Christ and we commission them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. you'll stand, I'll close us in prayer. Well, Heavenly Father, we come into your presence this morning with hearts to worship, with hearts of hope because of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And so I pray that we would go in that hope, that we would find the strength to endure, and that we would share that hope with others who are in desperate need of it. So we go and we pray that you would make a way for us, Lord, and that we would follow in your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. 